0: Hello and welcome to episode one of the Cybercast for this season, I'm myself Glyn Price and I'm joined with Ollie Warner as we return Ollie, after a couple of months away um, where there's been nothing really to pay attention to other than a major football tournament. So uh, how has your summer been mate?
1: Yeah, it's been good. It's been um, yeah, it's nice having a little bit of time away from the pod in some ways but um, yeah, looking forward to getting back to a new season. Yeah, summer's been good. Obviously... Um, Formula 1 and obviously the European Championships was really enjoyable obviously not quite the last game but yeah it has been really good and yeah looking forward to a new season clearly there's a lot of work still to be done but um, yeah looking forward to a new salad season It's
0: been it, I don't know it seems to have flown past this summer I suppose with everything and the anticipation which we'll, we'll get to about going back to football as well which is something I know a lot of people are really excited about but um, yeah it's, it's all it's all kind of yeah, kind of coming back to us now isn't it And we've kind of been trying to do a podcast over the summer haven't we and then you sent me a, a text I think it was last week just saying, Oh, it's two weeks to the start of the season. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the
1: season started I thought the season started around the twentieth of August or seventeenth of August for some reason. And then yeah and then we' were planning when to do the um, the preview ones and it's like Liam, we've got no time left we've got to get going. No, it's
0: crazy it's crazy but um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the season it's going to be it's going to be good and it's a bit interesting Ollie because we're, we're going to cover this now and it's um in some respects we're two weeks away from the start of the season there still feels like there's a lot of work to be done Ollie isn't there so it's it's in some respects covering everything that's happened so far is good but it still doesn't really point us in a, a very clear direction of exactly how the season's going to be going obviously yeah at this stage but yeah work to be done for sure isn't there
1: yeah there's definitely work to be done the transfer window is on a lot shorter in terms of time last year it went on into October obviously because of COVID this season it ends um, at the end of August but yeah it, it's, it's very difficult isn't it because you've got COVID you've got Brexit it's impacting the championship and players are still being paid on the old contracts so you know kind of yeah. holding out a little bit for, for money Um I've seen quite a few co- quotes from different managers from Sunderland and Charlton and quite a few other um, clubs saying that, you know, the transfer window is really tough. It's not just Steve Cotterill who's saying that. So, yeah, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that, you know, when we tick over into August, um, it's the whole, yeah, the whole market's going to open up and it's probably going to go quite crazy.
0: Hope so, hope so. Yeah, lots of things we need to fix Yeah, I mean, before we go into any sections, Julie, it's probably just worth starting with the manager, isn't it, um, Ollie? Because... Yeah, clearly from, from where we were at the end of last season, he just came back for those those last few games, didn't he, where he'd been struggling with COVID. Um, and over the summer, we've seen we've seen a couple of things. We've seen that hour and a half interview, um, massively emotional interview, yeah. Ollie, um, that he did with the club, going through what had happened with him in, in his time, how he got COVID, how, how it all developed, and, and gave us a really good insight as to how that affected the club. But also his absolutely horrible struggle with it and perforated lungs and emphysema and COVID pneumonia, and now struggling quite clearly still to this day with the effects of steroids and, and, a, and a bit of long COVID as well. So yeah, before we get to the manager and quite what he can bring to us this season, the man has been through the ringer and, and that really was an eye-opening interview, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. It was really um, intense. It was really open. And we really shared shared um, what he'd gone through. The way he talks is if he has gone through trauma. Um, apparently, yeah. if you've been through trauma, you remember like the new shard detail of it, which he shares. Um, so yeah, he's clearly been through a huge amount. And the good thing is, obviously, Glenn. as you obviously watch these videos, so obviously we mm. saw some photos of him when he came back in the last season. Um, where he is now, for his age, he was always in really good nick. Um, but, yeah, he seems to be getting fitter and thimmer, thinner. thinner um, As each day, almost a week goes by, he's getting in better shape, which is obviously fantastic because, obviously, you know, firstly, obviously, he's, he's a family man. He's a, he's a husband and a, a father to kids and stuff, which is obviously really important. Yep. But also, yeah, you know, for us as well, we, we want him to be, Fully fit, so he can be there every game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you saw the the news yesterday, Ollie, but he was at Bristol City yesterday watching a game. Um, Yep, he was, yeah. Nigel Pearson has has got a connection back to our football club as well, hasn't he? He He's the manager of Bristol City. So, you know, feeling strong enough to be doing a bit more work now because I think when he came back, it was mentioned he was only really doing one day a week up in Shrewsbury. I'd imagine that's gone right up now over these last couple of weeks and and obviously with the pre-season games.
1: Yeah, he mentions he's done all the training sessions. Um, and yeah, obviously um Bristol City were playing an came down so it's probably a bit of a scouting mission as well on on them.
0: Well, hoping he might have had a word in Nigel Pearson's ear because you know a couple of Bristol City <laughs> loanies would be handy. What was it, Max O'Leary? A couple of years ago, was Bristol City, wasn't he? Yep. So, you yeah, never know. <laughs> I doubt we'll see Max O'Leary back because you know, we've got a goalkeeper this year. But yeah, I, I just really pleased for the man um, to to be out of the the, prop, the real struggles he was having and and back to um back to his best really. Hopefully in in the next few months. And do you do you have any long term? I mean, it's hard. We're not doctors. Do you have any long term concerns about any of the sort of long COVID issues he brought up and whether that might you know knock him back at some point during the season?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm still hopeful that he's going to be fine. Um uh, I think it, for me the big test for him is when we have well we actually we start the season don't we with a Saturday Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I think that just relentless nature of football league does make me a little bit concerned. Hopefully he'll be really good before we go into the winter. Um but I get the sense that he's learned a lot about when he came back last season yeah. and I think that you know if he if he is struggling I think he probably would take a little step backwards, which I think no, no Shooter Town fan would have any qualms about that. No,
0: and, and you know, let's be honest, he, he mentioned it as well, that the work this, that um, Wilbraham did while he was away meant that he didn't really have a, a life as, as much as uh, Cottrell did when he was in hospital. I think that was one of the, the interesting things I read about it, was it was we understood the work that Wilbraham was doing in terms of football, but it seems to be that it wasn't just Steve that went above and beyond. Aaron Wilbraham was absolutely working every day, you know, long days, not seeing his family during that period, and, and quite a stressful period, and yeah you know we can be glad the managers back, but I think you know we probably didn't reflect enough on the work that that Aaron did, I suppose during that period ollie.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting that yeah, one he mentioned that he, he used to write these big reports and, <laughs> and kind of preparations for training like four a.m. So Aaron would wake up to pages and pages and notes, and then when he drove from the um, from the north to Shrewsbury, um, he'd have the manager going through it with him, which is, explained why obviously Aaron was kind of central to kind of the the leadership way of day Longwood, and and obviously the guys were kind of a bit more in the support because he just you know they did it on conference call in, in the whole conference call a call in the morning, um, which is quite interesting. But yeah, I think. It's it's going mean, to be interesting isn't it from Aaron Wilkham point of view um, going to this season you think he'd be more experienced yep. he, he's obviously he understands the decisions the manager has to make drop-in players and all that kind of stuff he's had to do have those conversations obviously he's been on the receiving end of them um, but also he it sounds it's quite interesting he was in receiving end of some bollockings from the manager <laughs> um, which kind of thought was a really interesting insight into their relationship and and just how kind of intense football is, and and how brutal it is, you know, you have got like, you know, it's you know it's a very open relationship between those two, which I think will be great for for the club going forward.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they're stronger for the whole experience as well. as it was. It stands them in better stead for a, for a competitive season, I suppose. So yeah, we're, we're glad he's glad he's getting on the mend every day um, and getting stronger every day. And um, yeah, we'll get to the way he's respected the fans during uh, the pre season games. We'll come to that, I suppose, when we get to those, Ollie. But yeah I suppose where we are I, we we want to really cover what's happened over the summer, don't we and I suppose the best place to start yeah. is the, the the players we already had and and who we uh, eventually signed back up ollie so yeah run run through the names that we we did sign back up
1: yeah, so we um triggered a contract extension um with Sean Warley, we reported didn't we, at the end of last season that he'd had some offers. We heard he had an offer from Tranmere when we triggered that extension. Um, and then players that we offered contracts to. Um, so Pennington, obviously, he was on loan from Everton last season. So he signed for the club. And you yeah, know, here that he really loves his time in Shrewsbury and, is, and, and lives in the town. So that's good. Um, Daniel Uddeau, um has been offered a contract, which I thought was a bit of a surprise. Um, but that'll be really interesting to see how he pushes on. And then Davis, we signed um, on a one-year deal. He's been training with the club through the summer, which I think is a decent signing. So, yeah, like, what's your kind of overview of, of there, Glenn? And, and I imagine you're a little bit surprised about a Doe
0: uh, yeah, I think we did. I think we might have mentioned that in the end, of the the yeah. at the end of the season pod, that we would be surprised if he signed up. But I guess in in a circumstance where we we might not have a lot of uh, resale value in some of our players, he is the sort of player that could kick on this season. You'd, you'd like to think that we'll get more out of him under Cottrell than we saw under Ricketts. And you know, if he has a, a reasonably good season, gets ten, fifteen goals, there's something to to sell on. I guess there. So yeah, I don't know. You, you need to kind of protect your young players at times, don't you? But I, you know, I'm not. I think we've, we've we're going to have to go over the same arguments with the dough as the season goes on, as we did the last yeah. couple of Holly. But, but I think, we're
1: talking <laughs> the positives about it, there's no need to be negative. It's no. like what has they seen. I think that's the interesting mm. part, isn't it? What has Aaron Wilberham and Cottrell seen in a dough? And that for me gives me some, some, me some excitement. That you know, has got a reputation of taking strikers um you know, not even like high scoring strikers and to have making them have quite prolific seasons. Mm. And then you've got Aaron Wilberham who's a striker as well, uh, who's obviously you know, obviously gonna be able to offer some insights. So obviously there's enough raw talent there. So, you know, if, if they they think he's good enough for League One. Um, and yeah, for me that's quite exciting.
0: Yeah, uh, he's, he's obviously had a reasonably good pre-season so far as well, bagging two goals So um, yeah, yeah and, and obviously got that goal right at the end of the season, didn't he, which we thought was, would maybe be the one that got the, the, the contract for him where he showed a real good sort of striker's instinct, didn't he, so yeah, cl- clearly they see something, you know, I'm not going to criticise a manager for, for seeing something in a player because uh, he's been at it a lot longer than and, and we have considering we're not ever going to be managers, Ollie, so, um, but we're, we're allowed to comment <laughs> on it, having, having watched the dough quite a lot, but yeah, I mean, t- the, the biggest surprise to me was I, I always thought if Wally was offered a deal he'd sign because it just makes sense for him to stay doesn't it as the the kind of modern day legend he's becoming um, and Pennington yeah if we could find the finances to do that deal again it made sense for him to stay I suppose um, but Davis was the one that surprised me the most because obviously we did release him um, and, and you know Cottrell's talked about that being the most difficult decision he had to make and then suddenly a few weeks later, or was it months later? I suppose it was. Suddenly, he's uh, he's turned back up at the Meadow training with us, and then gets offered another contract. And yeah, you know, he's obviously going to be a player with a, enough pedigree to to still do a job at um at League One level. We did see that in flashes, didn't we, last season? Um, but yeah, interesting the way that one went, Ollie, and it kind of does make me feel a little bit like there were other targets out there for central midfield that Steve's just not been able to bring in. And on consideration of those facts, he's gone back to Dave Davis, and and the deal works for both parties
1: that's an assumption mm. that you're making he might be that he'd he said to you know uh you know i want to keep you um, but then he said well i need to go and consider my options because he might have been offered more money or whatever elsewhere so yeah that's one theory mm. i guess another theory is is that um, he said he wanted to sign and he said he said i'm going to think about it over the summer and his agents had different offers and stuff and he's he's then decided on which one which one to take um, True. we don't know
0: True, it could have been the other way. You're right. the the, the agent may not might not have wanted to do. It. I don't. I don't know. I just. I think from remembering what Cottrell said, it was, it was. A, it was that Cottrell let him go. He didn't want him initially at the start of the summer. So that's why I was led to believe it was was the other way around, Ollie. Because um, yeah, he said that it was a case of going back to them then down the line. So who knows? It, it, I do find it interesting. That we haven't gone and looked yet at another central midfielder. Obviously, an attacking central midfielder is. A huge priorities in Ollie, which we, we'll probably will cover as the preseason goes on. But um we're fully stocked in central midfielders now with Davis, uh, Norburn and Vella. I suspect they'll all be here for the start of the season. We're not gonna sell Norburn and Vella. So that that's one position those three central midfielders covered that we don't have to worry about really.
1: Yeah, we we'll probably need someone else in that in that space. Um maybe a couple of players that can play a few positions. I presume we're going to play three at the back, so we'll probably need some more players there. We'll come on to needs, I think, after we've done yeah. um, the signings and stuff. But, um, and oh, actually maybe do after we've done the, the pre-season friendlies. So there's clearly mm. some gaps in the squad. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought those those are not bad. Pennington, for me, is, is a good one. Uh, he's a good signing. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I think, yeah, decent signings there, no real, no real grumblings. Um, which I guess takes us on to so the new signings that we actually had. So the first one we had um, was Luke Leahy on the that was back on the 27th of May, so a really early one, um, signing him on a two-year deal. He's 28, so he's played most of his career left-back or left-wing-back, but he can also play left-centre-back as well, which I think is quite an a, inner a three, which I think is obviously going to be helpful. Um little review from um, from the gas cast, they said he's a really good penalty taker. Mm-hmm. So he scored quite a lot of goals last season. So those fans who looked at that kind of stats would have seen he scores goals. Um, you know, they did say you know he's not the best defensively and he's prone to errors. But for me, that's a, that's not a surprise. If he wasn't prone to errors, he probably would be playing at high level. That's
0: every league. That's every league one defender, isn't it? Worse for league two, but yeah, exactly. ain't, gonna, ain't gonna get many penalties off Norburn either, so he might be happy to wait until Norburn no. gets subbed off late in games. But um, yeah, I was just gonna cover all the, all of them. I, we'll, go, we'll go for all four of these now, and I want you to do your, your brief. But to me, all four of these are quality signings. You know, there's there's no yep. gambles here. They're all kind of players that have done a job out of clubs and you can think about um, the fact that they're coming in to hit the ground running really but yeah Leahy kind of epitomises that really a captain um, at Bristol Rovers as well isn't he um, over the years he's yeah. obviously been one of their players of the season over the last few years similar to when we signed um, Pierre I think so I- I'm expecting him to come in and do well um, he's been good in the two pre-season games certainly comes and gives us different options with Um and I thought for a first sign it really was a kind of a statement of intent as to you know this is the sort of thing we're looking at and I, I do think we followed that through on these next three players we'll run through so um, yeah it was good to get that one done it's an interesting
1: time. point that Glenn yeah no it's a really good point I think the kind of the 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 I don't know the, the ambiance of these signings and that you know we've got obviously an experienced MD we've got a head of recruitment again yep. with have Keith Burr and a manager who who knows players he he knows contacts you know and yeah that's a really good point Glenn every single one of these signings seems I don't know solid mm. it has a clear reason why we've signed them you know they're obviously either you know I don't know with like the goalkeeper really solid goalkeeper played at League One before or, or Ryan Bowman you know he's played at a League Two level and we're going to give him the opportunity to kind of go a bit higher or we've got Elliot Bennett who's coming down for the championship who's got experience you know what I mean they all add something it's yep. not like last year where it seemed like a scattergun approach and we're signing players like Pike who've never played before or Daniels who've never played before or you know signing 36 year olds and stuff it seems controlled.
0: Which is why we probably shouldn't be panicking as much about how the rest of this window goes because there's obviously a lot of exactly. effort going into it I mean, it's- to me, the first three were interesting because, you know, Luke Leahy, Bristol Rovers' base, Bristol based, Bristol-based, Steve Cottrell's Bristol-based, you know, strikes me as that's probably something that was, was worked on for quite a while. Elliot Bennett, you know, Shropshire-based, a, a Telford lad, it strikes me again that it might be something that they've worked on for quite a while. And Bowman, clearly, we were after in the in the January window, weren't we? That was... Heavily rumoured, yep. I think, and, and almost confirmed by them. Um, Lewis Cox. So it felt like these first three signings were deals were probably worked on for months and didn't just appear in a couple of weeks and, and obviously got them over the line quite quickly. So that, that was my vibe of it, really. But yeah, brings on to Elliot Bennett, I suppose, Ollie.
1: Yeah, so Elliot Bennett, um, he's 32 years old. Um, he's been at Brist- um, Blackburn Rovers for a long time. Really highly respected by their fan base. Um, yeah. Loads of nice comments when he left. Um, I, we suspect he'll play in the right wing-back role. Um, and he's, he's 32 um, the manager said I've known Elliot for a long time he had him at Bristol City I know what I'm getting um, it's five on five years on from then but he's a good leader and a good lad um, he crosses the ball really well he's an excellent professional and we'll be able to educate our younger players in the dressing rooms um, he said his best position is out wide he can play wide right or as a wing back and his ability is great and he can come with both feet um, so for me, that's that's fantastic, isn't it? Obviously, a player that can play wing as well and right wing back. So it adds that kind of flexibility into the squad. We saw the manager change formations a lot. Um, so he was good. Um, and then Ryan Bowman, uh, we signed for an undisclosed fee. I did mm. ask Brian how much it was. Obviously, you, <laughs> saw, that, um, you saw a rumour going around, and I shared that with Brian. He said it was nowhere near 70k. The manager <laughs> this week talked about a nominal fee. Oh, right. Um, so yeah, so you know, I don't know, maybe twenty thirty chaos on that, I guess. Um, we signed him for obviously on a, on a transfer, which is which is interesting. Uh, it was on a two year plus one deal. He, he's twenty nine and he he scored goals in league in league two. And the manager said he's all action. He does a bit of everything. He's played up front in himself, which is a rarity these days with strikers. Um, he he runs hard. He runs quick and he runs behind teams. He holds the ball well and he's got a good touch. Um, and he so said, "There's a shortage of free agents at the moment, so we ended up paying a fee for Ryan, but it's money well spent." And what you've seen with England, um, with both of these players, are you quite pleased.
0: Yeah, on Bowman, I was going to mention this when we talked about the preseason games. It, already in a couple of games, he strikes me as a James Collin-esque striker, um, similar kind of hard-working, you know, gritty, um, clearly can finish, having seen the, the goal that he scored. Um, and yeah, it strikes me as that sort of player. I, I was keen for getting Bowman in a, in that January transfer window, wasn't I, Ollie, when we talked about recruiting? Yeah. So quite glad we've got the deal done now. It's someone who's come into the football club with a goal-scoring record, which is something I have lamented for years and years and years. <laughs> well, so. it's,
1: it's really funny. I, I did an article for someone um, a couple, um, this week, and I was trying to think that like, the last striker was probably James <laughs> Collins in League Two, yeah. nearly a decade ago. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, you know, it it's something we were talking about when we signed Pike, wasn't it, last year? And having a dough on the books and saying, Look, let's just get someone who knows how to score in it. Even in the E F L, even if it's League Two, you know, it's it's a starting point, isn't it? Um I suspect he will get yeah. a fair amount of goals this season. He 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 looks like the sort that you wouldn't mess about with. Um, you know, quite a I think he might have a bit of a, a bit of flair about him as well when we get to see him playing a bit more. So yeah, really really pleased with that deal. Um, 29, he's still got a couple of good years left in him. I think two plus one is a, is a good contract uh, decision. So quite happy with that. And and Elliot Bennett, yeah, I think you do need leaders in the dressing room um, personally. Um, and you know. Born in Shrewsbury, Ollie, you know, there's a big thing to be said about that, having a a local lad, you know, is he a Telford lad or a Shrewsbury lad? Uh, He is a Telford lad, isn't he? But um, born in Shrewsbury Hospital, we don't get too many players who who were born just down the road playing for the club. So quite quite happy to have him on board. Um, Again, from the pre-season games, seemed pretty... um, pretty uh, good leader, you know, despite not being captain, I think it was away at Hereford or better was captain, which which we'll come to. Um, he was the one that was marshalling the troops, screaming. He for thirty two was running non stop. Um so clearly a really, really fit lad who's um, you know, he, he's missed a bit of football, hasn't he, over the last few years with injuries and stuff, but clearly super fit and, and good enough for League One. So, yeah, again, another two signings I was I was pretty pleased about and I um, think they'll bed in pretty well. Um, to me, they're both going to be starting um, first game of the season. They're, they're both players that will, will be in the starting lineup.
1: It's interesting, actually, talking about signings in January. Uh, there was a couple of signings that Steve Cottrell said he wasn't so keen on, mm. which, for me, made me think we maybe think about Maine. Or someone like that, you know, <laughs> someone we just kind of signed at the last minute because we were just desperate, and and Steve was in hospital. Um, I get the sense that these players are signed with a real clear game planning mind. We're not gonna have, you know, we're gonna we sign in Ryan Bowman because we're gonna get the ball in the box. We're gonna play to his strengths. Yeah. Um, for me, it feels like there's a real strategy around this, and and if it, you know, and as, as the season evolves, we've got a manager who's going to analyse games with the analysts as well obviously sharing insight we're going to be clever you heard remember hearing a comment about Aaron Wilberham and um, Cottrell watching a live game together chatting about it and talking about different things and noticing kind of like you know bits of play from opposition teams and I don't know just you know in terms of like confidence last year we were through Town. we were predicted really low and that was a lot because of the manager. Um, you know all these things the manager touches everything doesn't it in yep. terms of tactics and signings and stuff and yeah for me I think the Bowman one just kind of makes sense and it's it's obviously an interesting um, option to have obviously we've got the young lads with Bloxham and Caton coming through and um, Bloxham's got a really big um, reputation Bowman's another striker we've got You've got a doe I still think maybe we need one more striker Glenn I imagine you probably agree with that yeah. um, but for me Bowman's a great addition.
0: Yeah, it sort of had that, exactly what we need. Um, so, yeah, I'm really pleased with those first three. And then, yeah, fourth sign in of the summer, Ollie, was uh, someone whose name I still haven't quite got the ability to uh, say or pronounce or write on Twitter. So, I'm just calling him the keeper.
1: <laughs> yeah, should we just call him Marco until <laughs> yeah. we hear the Stu Dunn um, pronunciation? <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, under, um, transfer undisclosed fee, um, 27 mm. um, 20, uh, year old on a three year deal. Um, I did ask um, a Coventry um, fan, um, a guy called Sammy Sideways. He does those, um, he does, um, Coventry kind of blogs all the time and he does that really in-depth kind of pre-season review, which is always an interesting read if yeah. you want to know a bit more about Championship and Coventry. And he said to me, he said, he's a fairly run in the mill League One goalkeeper. He'll occasionally pull off some great saves. Um, he's comfortable receiving the ball to feet, um, which can help the team build out from the back. However, he doesn't launch attacks with accurate long kicks. Um, speaking his weakness is he's very reluctant to come for crosses. Uh, but he says he's confident, outgoing character, which is good asset. And he said he said league one is his level. So something that um we tried to do, didn't we, last season? We saw Sitch try and play out the back. and yeah. imagine we, you know, if you're playing three at the back, it's it's, it's obviously you got three decent defenders. Obviously, it's it's easier to kind of you know try and get that ball out the back. And I think having someone who can play from the back is going to be key. Um, and Sturge Towns fans I think I have to I have to get you comfortable with that themselves that we're going to have a goalkeeper who's going to try and play out the back and they're not just going to hit it long all the time but a decent signing
0: yeah, yeah I mean for me it's more of the case of finally got a permanent goalkeeper signed up on a long term deal that's going to probably play every week you know fine we've got we got Harry didn't we as a permanent goalkeeper but you know he didn't play every game last season did he and was almost second string for most of it Um. so yeah it's it's been the first time we've had a, a, a permanent goalkeeper that's probably going to be our starting goalkeeper week in, week out. Obviously, he did a really good job at Coventry um, and so he's got some pedigree. Um, we've only seen him once away at Hereford so far, and yeah, it's pretty similar to what he just said then. You know, he looked like made a couple of errors where he put or pounded the ball out sort of centrally, which you know could be considered to be letting a soft goal in, but luckily we're only playing Hereford, so it didn't really matter. Um, and I'm sure he will look more like a sweeper keeper, but in his first game, he was just very, very focused on the basics, Ollie, of kicking along and, and making sure he didn't make too many errors. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, you know, we're not going to judge him on one game. Him away at Hereford in pre-season when he's never met anyone for for, for all that long. So um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how he comes on. But yeah, I'm just more happy about having someone we can you know hang our hang our defensive performance on in terms of, of the defence and the keeper being consistent going forward. So yeah, looking forward to seeing what he can bring. um And again, we certainly needed a goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, in terms of having actually having your own goalkeeper, I think this might be the first time we've had a, uh, our own goalkeeper for five years. So, I think the first season we did the podcast, which was six years ago now, we had Luke, um, Luke Weiler in goal. Yeah. So, I don't think we've had anyone since Luke Weiler in goal Ooh. as our first main goalkeeper. Um since then, I think we've always, I think we've had loans since then, so which I think is quite interesting.
0: I, I'd agree. We had McGivley, didn't we? But then he ended up playing second fiddle. When but he was a season. sub. Yeah, and yeah. then he went on to be decent somewhere else, didn't he? So um, yeah, I would agree with you. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a Pompey. definite change of policy, but one I'm quite happy with.
1: Yeah, I'm quite happy. Obviously, we've had some amazing goalkeepers, Dean Henderson, yep. Sarsavich. So I think it has worked. Um, but maybe the manager's thinking, you know, loan. We haven't, No, we haven't signed any loans yet. So he's thinking he's try to get the goalkeeper in a bit earlier. But also obviously you've got to try and go go with what you can get. If you can think you can get a good goalkeeper, then yeah, obviously go and sign him and then you've obviously got a goalkeeper sorted for the next few years. Um, and interesting, actually on the signings, there's a really interesting comment. So it's great to see the manager doing press conferences again and we're starting to get that more insight. Steve Cottrell talks about building something. Mm. And I think that's what well, I think that's really important for this season. This season, I think, is about building something, maybe for next season. And the manager said talked about how he's really appreciates that Brian and the chairman leave him to get on with his job. If he wants to invest in something in the training ground or invest in something, they just let him do it. Um, and he's got that confidence, and he has that that kind of. Um, Giving that freedom from, mm. the, from the chairman, which I think is great because that means you can build something. But also, it means for me the manager's not just thinking about this season, he's thinking about the season ahead. And maybe that's why he signed this goalkeeper, Glenn. He's not just thinking about this season, he's not, think, he's, not he's not. in a position where he's, you know, say, you know, Sam Ricketts or an he's desperate to try and he's worried about this season. I'm sure Steve Cotter thinking, I'm going you know, to be really secure in this job, I'm here for the long term. And that, that means you can make more sensible decisions, I think.
0: I would suggest that Steve Cotrell has more control as a football manager at Shrewsbury Town Football Club than any manager in the time we were doing this podcast for sure, probably since yeah. Turner. Um, because if you look at what's gone on, and we'll come to preseason games, not having a home game very much at his door, according to Brian, the whole kit thing—you know—he's had a massive say on that. I think there's a lot of a lot of things that he is installing or you know molding this football club on, on his. You know, will and and what it, what he needs to do. I think that you know, when we get to the kit, maybe there's an argument to say that sometimes we probably should ex- suggest the word no to him. But I definitely think he's got a lot more control and power on everything um, than than many of these inexperienced managers we've had recently. Um, uh, even probably more than Hurst, because um, obviously he didn't come with a huge amount of experience. But yeah, he's probably going to be the man that has Roland's ear the most since GT was at the club, I would say.
1: Yeah, I'd say man, maybe Mickey Mellon probably had a bit of control as well, because he's probably, yeah. man, Paul Hurst had experienced, had challenge as well. But in terms of total trust, yeah. um, and obviously we've never had a manager um, in, my, in my time, my recent time since Turner, who's this experienced? And it just for me just changes the, I mean, all the narrative, but everything just changes that differently. You know, you kind of trust more, don't you? Where in recent years, especially with Ashby and Ricketts, everything, even just press conferences and stuff, made you feel a bit awkward and a bit um, <laughs> nervous. Just watching where you've got a manager now, where if a man, if someone in the media asks a crap question or a really vague question that doesn't really make any sense, he'll go. What are you talking about? Is that a question for me, or are you talking about my performance? So yeah, I, I quite like having a, this experienced manager <laughs> option. Um, it's, it's working. It's, it's working well for me at the moment.
0: See, I've had the whole summer off, Ollie, and I'd, I'd forgotten until you mentioned it before. I'd forgotten Curtis Main existed, and I'd, I'd blanked out. <laughs> I'd blanked out all the ASCII interviews. You're bringing back too many sad memories here. Can you? Can you? let stay positive. It's let's
1: <laughs> let's, mo- let's move forward now. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So, so yes. Yeah, so, so no more no more com- no, no more Askies. No more Ricketts. Thank um, From the rest of this podcast. Um, so, yeah, looking ahead, Glenn, Um You know, it was nice to get back to stadiums, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and we both went to the Telford game.
0: Yeah, I mean, before we get on to the games and just a little bit on them, I suppose the, the interesting thing about preseason so far is, and I talked about the control the manager's got, is no home preseason season games. Um, and the reason given is that we've laid a new pitch and we'd only use it, which is fine, but I would also say to you, Ollie, I did some research, we've laid pitches way later in the year than we did this year and we've always played home preseason games. To me, that is a cultural thing. And I went back and looked at some... Um, uh, looked at his last four, four, four pre-seasons that he had with Bristol uh, Bristol City and I think it was Forest or Birmingham I can't remember which one it was one of the other clubs um, I put it out on Twitter but actually in all of those pre-season games they they didn't play any games at home in pre-season so it's definitely a Steve Cottrell thing that he didn't want to play um, any pre-season games at, at this stage so it's it's a shame. It's always good to have a home preseason game. Sometimes it makes the club a little bit of money. Although there was some scepticism at would at the moment during COVID, um, and only having three games, obviously we had four and one cancelled. Ollie, um, you know, there is an argument to say that if we don't start well, this will be the thing that everyone points to straight away to say we're a bit undercooked. Because if you compare it to the rest of League One, I think everybody other than one club. Um, is having more preseason games than us. You, there is an argument to say that you know that is where you get your seasoning. You work on your your training and, and your your tactical uh, inputs against other teams because that's why teams have preseason games. You're, you're less concerned about this. Having talked about this over the course of the week, but we're definitely going a little bit different to how the rest of League One are approaching preseason at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think for me, pre seasons, friendlies. I go to them because it's nice to get out of the house, particularly this season, and, you know, go and, you know, watch a game in the sun or go to a new ground. Uh, you know, I remember going to, like, is it um, Northwich, uh, Natwich or whatever, and yep. a few friendlies, you know, and going to random different places. That's what pre-season friendlies are for me. If you want to go and analyse the team and look at whether players fit or, you know, is, is as you know, their attitude is right for me. You're going for pre-season friendlies for the wrong reason. Um, for me, they're just to go and watch and watch the players get fitter, Um, The manager said that, you know, we've already done three pre-season friendlies because we've only got a small squad at the moment. Mm -hmm. So if we did more, we'd basically just be hounding the players and putting too many minutes into them, which actually then would be counterproductive. Um, And yeah, for me, you do work obviously in a bit of shape and you obviously do work on things a bit in a pre-season game. But for me, you do more of that on the training ground. So for me, you know, spending a bit more on the training ground, especially as, you know, how... Poor our teams have been in recent years. For me, this approach is fine. Um, if we played more games, it would just means the same players would be getting hammered for minutes. And we've already seen, you know, Ogbeta and Vela um, have probably played nearly every minute. Um, so for me, I think hammering them for a few more games. I think I don't think is is necessarily wise.
0: I mean, you know, other teams do play all these games because there is there is clearly merit in playing them all all the time. And I looked at you know again those preseason games, and Cottrell's has always generally played five or <clears throat> five or six games during his preseason, so it is very different. But clearly, when he's been managing bigger clubs, you're right, he's had bigger squads to pick from. Um, I'm not I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing. It's just. Different, isn't it, Ollie? Do you know what I mean? I think it is worth yeah. reflecting on how different it is to pretty much every preseason we've had in the entire time we've been supporting the football club. We've never had this least amount of games, and we've never not had a home preseason game. So it is very different. And who knows? It might be a. Masters why do you group.
1: think we have? Why do you think? Why do you think we have away games only? Do you think it's to kind of? Get the players prepared, mentally prepared, and you know, kind of test them, not have it too easy or what? I'm not sure. What do no, you think?
0: Not when you're playing three non league teams, that's the other thing. We're not playing anyone of any No, but it's category. about
1: the journey, isn't it? Is yeah. it about getting the players together so they have long journeys together and kind of getting used to that a bit? Or I'm not sure. It <laughs> is different, isn't
0: it? It's <laughs> not that far, is it? Um, I, I don't know. We'd have to ask the manager, I suppose. I mean, I, I, th- I personally think it's more to do with the fact that. Cottrell's clearly going to want to play some nice attractive football this season and the last thing he wants is a crappy pitch by November I genuinely think that's probably what it is and he just wants everybody off it during this this period he's clearly done it as I say in those last four pre-seasons he's clearly done the same thing maybe it's worked for him obviously it's gone well at Bristol Rovers uh, Bristol City so um, yeah I think it's probably just more to do with that I, I would have you know, as, as my personal opinion is you know you would like to see them get tested against someone with a little bit more quality I know we're playing next to next weekend but you know again I looked around and pretty much every league one well every league one team apart from us this weekend um, we're recording this on, on the, the two weeks before the season starts has had a pre-season friendly they either played on the Saturday or they played on the Friday night and pr- most teams played someone of a good quality either an EFL team or you know teams you know in the Championship or the Premiership and and you know got a got a sterner test than Hereford and, and Telford have done. To be fair, Hereford and Telford probably gave a sterner test than we would have wanted. But yeah, again another another very different thing to what we've always seen. We've always played a Bristol, a, Bro, a Birmingham City or Bristol City the other year or um, Wolves. We always get a game against Villa. Villa, you know. We definitely haven't tested ourselves against anyone very good in the run up to the season, and, and you know, if we went to Exeter and lost, you know, a couple of couple of goals, I'm not sure that would really help. So, yeah, hopefully, it'll be a good positive performance to kick us into gear next uh, weekend at Exeter. But yeah, you know, who's to judge what it is, whether it's good or bad? You know, and I we're think, just saying I think, think
1: that, and that's the thing that we've got a manager now who has done, like you know, as a player and a manager, you know, um, you know, multiple pre seasons. Mm. If this was if this was a, a less experienced manager, you probably would be more concerned. But um, but for me, yeah, I guess yep. trust the manager. It's going to work. And for me, if we if we have a start of the season badly. That's not down to pre-season or anything like that. That's that's down to the performance on the day. Well,
0: you know, it depends depends on a lot of factors in it. I suppose we'll have to judge that as it goes. Yeah. That's why we do the podcast, Ollie, it'll be, it'll be fun to judge it, won't it? But um, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, you're right. And it's consistent with his approach. This is not out of it is not out of sync for Steve Cottrell, and that is the reason I was initially quite sceptical about it. I thought, no, you need to go and check these things. Don't you? you need to understand how he's always run it? And it isn't out of out of scope for him. So we'll see where it goes. But anyway, going back to the actual pre-season games, it was good to be back at football, wasn't it, Ollie? When we went to Telford, I think there was. 1,200 there, there were 600 from Shrewsbury all in that one stand. You know, no masks or anything like that at that stage. Um, you know, felt a little bit like a, a return to normal. Um, and yeah, it was just you know, I don't know what were your reflections really on just watching live football again.
1: For me, it was great to get out. Um, for me, it was great. I went um, went to the game, met up a couple of Callum and Ian. I sat next to Nathan, who I chat to all the time. Yeah. Saw Sam Morris, um, and Sean. So it was yeah, it was great to see a few familiar faces. Yeah. Um, and it was great just to be out. And it was also nice to hear the chanting and the the banter with the with the Telford kids, um, which is quite funny and. Yeah, luckily we also managed to record uh, a Steve um Steve Cottrell chant, which yeah. will also be very helpful for our introductions. So yeah, it was great to get out. Never been to Telford before. Um so yeah, it was the first one for me.
0: And my my key observations from the game, Ollie, were that I thought uh and Lee linked up really well in the game. Um that was a yeah. clear strength, I think, going forward. Um we weren't brilliant, but I think you know we were helped by Telford falling apart in the second half and, and their particularly awful goalkeeper. Um, Elliot Bennett showed a bit of class. Didn't he? When he cleared one off the line, I thought he was really good during the whole game. Really worked hard, um, looked great. And then, yeah, the goals. Just for anyone that hadn't, hadn't heard of them or, or sort of even read the paper, but as I say, the, the goal was really good. Cross from better on, on the wing, um, Bowman with a close-range finish, and then. Um, a scored a, a close-range goal after their keeper made a mistake from a, from a from a shot. They did score a stunner late on, and they got one in the first half. But we were pretty pretty comfortable, I thought. Oh, and Bowman obviously scored a penalty first half as well, which I didn't mention. So, you know, three goals was pretty good start to season. It was good to beat our, our local rivals, um, despite their youth youth academy uh, troublemakers coming up to us in the second half and <laughs> getting summarily sent packing by our fans chanting at them. Um, so yeah, good atmosphere. I thought it was a, it was a good evening, and um, yeah, just exactly what I wanted out of my first game back, Ollie.
1: Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. There was definitely some positives. I was really impressed with with Bennett organization. Yeah. And um, for me the one of the big strengths was Bowman. Just really liked his presence yeah. um and his running. Um not so, really not keen about Wally in the ten roll, but the positive for me was <laughs> there was a couple of moments when he just ran past the Telford players. Yeah. Clearly, obviously there's a huge gulf between the two teams. But Wally looked really good, didn't he?
0: He looked good in that game, um, but oh god, he looked awful in the 10 year against Hereford, which we'll come to in a minute. So definitely not my um, desired solution to the problems that we'll have in attacking midfield. But I suspect that's where we're headed with it at the moment. So um, We are headed there at the moment because we haven't got anyone else in at the moment. So that was it. And then, yeah, obviously uh, a few days later, we're off down the A49, um, down to, to Hereford for a game, aren't we? Been a long time since we've here been to Hereford. You, you missed this game, didn't you, Ollie? I went and um, took my daughter down the the, sh- yeah. the ground is even more ramshackle than it was the last time we visited it, I think it was in the FA Cup wasn't it the last time we played them and they beat us but oh jeez it's a quite depressing going back there, all I kept thinking about was the conference season and all those journeys like that so um, I know they've had their times and gone bust and come back as a, as a relaunched club and and I, I think it's good to see that they're not dead permanently. But, um, yeah, it's a bit of an eye-opener, really, considering where we were, you know, when I first started supporting Town and the clubs were on equal footing. The clubs have diverged in such a significant way, haven't they?
1: Yeah, just... Well, we've, we've, we haven't talked about this that much, actually. It was really interesting. I went on a, went on a Northampton podcast last season. Yeah. Um, and they were talking about, you know, you know, where they were and stuff. And it was a really interesting discussion. I think sometimes you forget... How far this club has come mm-hmm. and gone in, uh, in the last, even the last 10 years, obviously the huge move to the, to the ground is a big thing, and obviously the move to the training ground is another. But it's really interesting talking to the Northampton fans. You know, is this our seventh or eighth year in League One now? Yep. So, you know, we've been it's here seventh. quite a while now, and the extra money you get and the extra extra income has been invested in the club. And, you know, we're miles ahead of even Northampton now, where, you know, you'd think like 10, 15 years ago we were very even, but now we've just got that more infrastructure and that better setup. And then you know la- you look at teams like Hereford and stuff. Obviously, we were playing them, you know, in in the league, um, in the football league. And yeah, it just kind of makes you realise how how established we are as a club and how we've how we've progressed, um, and also how some clubs haven't progressed. Look at Wrexham, obviously been in non-league for years. Obviously, they'll we'll probably be playing them soon in no. a couple of years' time. But in a couple of years' time, they'll be up. There's absolutely no, no way they're not going to come up. <laughs> um but um yeah it is is, it's yeah i think it's good to kind of shine a light on just quickly also just to show what a great job the chairman has done kind of guiding us over the last um, last 20 years
0: that's what I was about to say you know it, it, we've done it the right way we haven't done it we don't have a yeah. vastly wealthy owner you know I think even Roland Witchley would admit he's pretty rich but he ain't vastly wealthy like um, some of the multi-millionaires he hasn't ploughed millions into the club he's definitely no. put
1: money in to keep us going but yeah he wants us to be sustainable which is fantastic
0: well the money he put in was what he put in at the start which stopped us going bust and being here yeah. you know, that's where he, he he put his money where his mouth is and you know over the summer there's been the reflections of Roland Witchley's 25 years at the football club haven't there where um, you know obviously he took over it when we were in um, what is. Uh, you know league one now where we are and then obviously went down and had to rebuild from there and come back to where we, we were but a very very different club um you know when we were in league one previously we were at the gay meadow and weren't earning that 24-7 income you know and, and seven days a week and the football club's completely changed and i think yeah it was it was good that the football club reflected affected on his 25 years at the club obviously now is uh, mbe i think as well you know he's had a pretty yeah. good year well, really, cbe isn't
1: it is it cbo
0: mbe i can't CBA, remember I can't but yeah, every, everything you you just pointed out there about how the club's moved on, you, you know, a lot of that is down to the chairman and, and the sensible sensible financial prudency that we've applied um, during what have been probably a rocky ten years for most League One and League Two clubs. So um, yeah, we're, we're doing all right, aren't we? Can't complain.
1: Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, and then yeah, so what was your kind of big takeaways from Hereford game? So yeah, I was at the Formula One, went a bit bit earlier than you. Um, yeah. Yeah. What was your um, What was your takeaways from this one?
0: Yeah, we should say, even though we both went to Telford, we didn't see each other, but we did yeah. see each other. Uh, people won't be surprised to learn, we did see each other in the food court um, behind the cops, <laughs> cops' You corner. had some
1: chips with you, didn't you? Uh,
0: I did have chips. Yeah, that the back of Stowe me.
1: it was, back of Stowe. But um, yeah, you had some chips with you. We met near a car. <laughs> yeah
0: exactly so yeah there we go we will meet up at the football again sometime soon but it was good the Formula 1 we did have a good weekend Um, but yeah what was my reflection of Hereford's it was you know I can't pretend it was good Ollie it was pretty dire I mean Hereford bossed most of the game Um, we played a lot of hoofball surprisingly but I I put a lot of that down to the keeper's first game and just getting used to to the team and not wanting to make too many errors playing out from the back I guess at this stage poor performance Um, Hereford did alright we looked fit which is good because you said we've been working on the fitness Um, but so did Hereford until very late on um, and the only reason we won the game is Hereford completely messed up right at the end they they let us score two pretty good goals I suppose at the end um, first I think Mur- But Mur- isn't that
1: also gone. isn't that also the strength of our team that we are fitter yes. so obviously you know yes you're right obviously I hear um, Hereford kind of fell away, their fans were furious um, which is quite funny, um, all five of them on Twitter. Um, but then also um, yeah same thing happened with Telford, which for me gives me some encouragement because last season fitness was a real issue and we would die in the last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah.
0: I mean we need a bigger squad for that to last through the season, don't we? But yeah. so we'll probably get to that. I mean, I would also be pretty alarmed if we weren't as fit as a bunch of guys that the next morning have to get up and work for BT or be an electrician or a plumber. You know, they are very, very much part time um, Hereford United. So it would have been a bit embarrassing if we didn't look fitter than them at the end. But um yeah, eventually yeah. it did tell I suppose and um yeah, uh, the goals. Um, yeah, Morosi made a save. We just did a really quick counter. doe showed some um, pace I've not really seen from him for quite a while where he absolutely went past his marker, put a ball into the penalty spot where Wally um, just scored from close range. So that was a good goal. And then second goal, um, there was a bit of a scramble, I think, when we did another counter and he was just on hand to pop it in doe for his second goal of pre-season, which is good for him, you know, to to hit the ground running, especially when he's got a bit more competition, I suppose, this season than he had before. So um that was it really. My reflections were it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hell hole. And the worst part of that whole thing was we got out of the game. We were literally the first sort of Shusebe Town car out of the car park. Went up that um you know that road up to where the, the last roundabout is at Hereford. Road closed. I was like, for Christ's sake, so massive, massive <laughs> I thought abundance. you were gonna say there was
1: no chips then, Glenn. Oh
0: no, no. Oh well. if anyone was at Hereford they'll know that um they possibly have the worst concession stall for away fans in I don't know, any of football. It must have been a little boxed sort of building. It can't have been more than five foot wide and five foot, five foot back. They didn't serve any booze, which was annoying to everybody who was there. They didn't serve hardly. They sold like a pack of crisps. That was it. That's all, all you could really get from there. So, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the most uh, amazing uh, food outlet there. But, you know, nice and sunny. It was so hot this week, hasn't it, for everyone? Um Obviously, everybody's been aware about what it was, but yeah, it was quite nice to just sit in the car with air conditioning on for an hour and a bit down there. So that was the main reason I went, to be honest with you, Ollie. So yeah, there we go. That was game two out of the way. Um, but two wins. Can't complain, can we?
1: Yeah, two wins against non-league teams. I do think, <laughs> I think there is definitely some kind of, there is um, uh, there is something in the debate about having, not playing a championship of League One teams in terms yeah. of pace. Um, we saw it with Worley just drifting around people. He's not going to do that in, in a league game. No. Um, but then the next game we've got, we get to get we'll have a stream again, Glenn. Oh, so God. yeah, I don't think many Shrewsbury fans would have, unless they made a weekend of it and go to seaside for the weekend. I don't think many fans would have gone to Ex- Exeter away for a pre-season game. I'm sure a few would, um, but we get to watch that um, on the stream, Glenn. So that should be interesting.
0: I wonder what the reason for it being behind closed doors is. Like I don't really see the point. You know, surely Exeter would have. I don't
1: know. Maybe it's just costs. Maybe they think maybe preseason is not as profitable as as maybe some people think. Maybe it's just the cost of stewarding and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Maybe also the, you know, you'd have to have a lot more stewards and Covids and all that kind of stuff. And maybe they just thought, you know what, we're just going to have it um, behind closed doors. Obviously, preseason is not really for the fans, it's all about fitness and stuff. Um, So maybe that's why they made that call.
0: I should just say one thing. While well, we just quickly mentioned COVID there, it hasn't gone away, Ollie. Um, You know, we nope. we are both, I'm double jabbed. I'm not, I can't remember whether you said you were or not now. But, um, I'll get
1: my second one soon.
0: Yeah, so, you know, obviously there's going to still be some issues with, with it knocking around and we've seen a few clubs already in pre-season. I think Oxford are having a big problem with it at the moment, mm. aren't they? So there's definitely, I would suggest there's definitely going to be games off or postponed or affected by COVID in the first few months running into maybe another winter peak. I can't, you know, we can't say this is going to be a completely COVID-clear season and that everything is going to run smoothly uh, as, as we think it will I think fans will probably stay in there now because you know as time goes on we'll all get double jabbed and it shouldn't really be an issue but I, I do think there's going to be times where clubs are, are going to have to still deal with it, aren't they
1: yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't this government is without going into politics <laughs> is, is pretty renowned for a u-turn so I wouldn't be surprised if tears come back or whatever so for me yeah try not to worry about it too much see yeah. what happens uh, try and go to games you know I don't know, I went to the away game, I've got a pregnant wife, so, you know, I am probably will wear a mask, Mm. people might think I'm stupid or whatever, but I don't really want to pass it on to my wife and that would be pretty, I'd feel quite guilty for that. So I think everyone's just got to make their own personal decisions, their own personal choices. Um, if, if you want to wear a mask, if you don't want to wear a mask, if you want to sit in your normal seat, you want to sit in a, in the you know this, the um, social distancing seat. We'll come onto it a little bit more on, idea, on this yeah. in a second, but but um, but yeah, you do whatever you feel is comfortable, and yeah, there's no one has the right to criticise anyone. You know, keep yeah. your opinions to yourself, to be
0: honest. On evidence of having gone to the shops and stuff, actually, is everyone still wearing masks? It doesn't feel any different around here, but probably different in different parts yeah. of the country, isn't it? So there we go. So that's pre-season so far. We've obviously got eggs You want to just quickly look at um, the needs we've still got, haven't we, Ollie? Which are unfortunately yeah. He's still a little bit numerous,
1: yeah. So, I did a shopping list um, a couple about a week ago or so, and it for me hasn't really changed for them because you haven't signed anyone. Um, so, for me, <laughs> there is I don't know, we probably could survive without getting another striker, yeah. If we get what we need attacking a talent in the final third, so for me, we need a striker, a number 10, um, you know, someone like Chapman who can play on either flank would be either brilliant as well. Uh, a proper number 10, a creative player. Maybe even two of those who could maybe you know play mm-hmm. as a shadow striker or something like that. I think we need another box-to-box. I think if you can play two central midfielders, you need four to cover those spaces. Um, and I still think we're a bit shy as well in central defenders' areas as well. I still think we are probably a little bit um, light as well in right wing-back, so it's nice we actually have a proper yep. right wing-back. He's, he's 32, he has missed a few games in the last few years. For me, um, you know, last year we played about 20 players at right wing-back. Um, and it's it's a very specialist position. It's it's key for you know obviously both defending and attacking um, in in this formation. For me, that's that's key. Um, what do you think, Glenn? Do you do you agree with that list, or do you think we need something else or or, or different?
0: I have no I have no objections to that list at all. I suppose the one thing that um, he, he might see Cottrell is that Daniels does provide a little bit of cover at right wing back and did A reasonable job in those couple of games he played last season, so you know, maybe that doesn't make it as quite as urgent as he thinks. If he, if he thinks that, um, Elliot Bennett's going to play pretty much every game, which you know, should do through to Christmas, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, for me, I, it, we probably could get away without another striker. I'd be disappointed if we didn't bring one in. Um, I suspect we'll be seeing a lot more of Pike if we don't bring another striker in, <laughs> which just I'd be is surprised if Pike is still here at the start <laughs> well, of the season. To I don't honest. know, he's been he's played both pre season games, that's so we haven't got many players, have we? Um Um, But yeah, for me, my my number one concern now, and if it was anywhere we were investing significant money in another deal, it would be um, attacking midfield. We've we've simply got to have someone to help Bowman unlock defences. He's not going to be able to do it all on his own Wally is not the answer, um, he wasn't the answer under uh, uh, Hurst, he wasn't the answer under Askey, he wasn't the answer under <laughs> Ricketts, and he, he probably won't be the answer under, under Cottrell either, only well, it hasn't been so far, so um, yeah, to me that is where my, my, my main focus would be, and if we, we suddenly you know pull an iron out of the fire and it's something absolutely class following on the, the four signings we've made so far, I think we'd be in pretty good shape um, to, to have a good go and, and fill in everything else up with probably lone players down the line.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, the manager talks about signings, four or five signings, whatever, um but then he also be but it's clear that he he doesn't include loans in that number so mm. yeah i think we're going to sign quite a few players and fingers crossed um we can sign a couple of of good players you know that kind of Tyrese Campbell you know, Greg Doherty type level player on loan, which just completely blows your predictions out of the water. You know, yeah. you go from being, I don't know, right now you probably wouldn't say, you know, we probably wouldn't say top half with this team at the moment because you yeah. just don't see enough goals in it. But you add you know a Tyrese Campbell, a Greg Doherty, a Harry Chapman to this side, all of a sudden you're going, hmm, OK, that's pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, that's something to get quite excited about.
0: Yeah, one thing I will say about the striker issue as well is I really, really wouldn't discount Bloxham having a significant role now.
1: I he He's played not quite a lot all.
0: in pre-season and to be honest with you, he looks good. Like, in both games, he doesn't look like the kid. He looks like like as good as the rest of the lads around him. He he played really well away at Hereford until he got a bit of an injury to his knee. Luckily, it was just a bang, nothing yeah. serious. So he's not out for any significant period of time. But I, I do honestly think that down the line, I, I think that they've got a lot of time for Bloxham. I think Cain probably will sort of disappear into the shadows a little bit, you um, you know, is the sort of quick player, the replacement for Bowman, I suppose, if you really needed him. But I think Bloxham's there, up with Odo now in terms of starting alongside Bowman. That's what I think.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how he how he comes across and how he plays. There's a lot of there's a lot of excitement um, around him. A lot of talk about him when he came out when he was playing. Um, You know, obviously we talked about, uh, you know, Carl Robertson apparently was trying to chat him up after the game. I mean, he was that (laughs) impressed with him. Um, So for me, yeah, he's a player to get quite excited about. And yeah, if we don't sign another striker, you know, the positive of that is then Bloxham and Caten will get more time. Two completely different strikers. Um, But for me, that's why I'm really happy. We've got Bowman, who's 29, like just... Bowman can just talk to a doe. Can talk, obviously the manager can shout, but it's. I think it's great to have a a player who's can talk to them. Who's Mm. been really experienced. Who's going to win those fouls and do those kind of sensible things and have those little conversations with people and also someone to watch as well in training and to notice his runs. Um, I think that's going to be that's key for the development of Bloxham with the signing of Bowman.
0: Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. I, yeah, I say I don't disagree with anything else in terms of needs. I think we're, we're pretty much aligned on that, and I pro- pretty much every sheet of fan probably say the same thing. I guess I guess that brings us to one of our last issues, really, which is uh, the the low point of the summer <laughs> so far, which is <laughs> um, yeah, we're calling this yellow gate now, aren't we, Ollie? After after yeah. the previous uh, Brian Kit issues that he had when he first joined, which was the the Kit Sea Gate, where uh, yeah, we won't go over that again, but. Yeah, we've clearly got a Shoesbetown kit that isn't a Shoesbetown kit. And uh, yeah, no. again, it's one of those things that, like pre season, you're probably a little bit less bothered about it than I am. But when it comes to branding and, and how a football club presents itself and your consistent approach to having, you know, set colours, set identities, to suddenly have an off the peg Umbro kit that anyone could buy literally for like well, whatever it is, 10, 10, 15 quid off their website, iron a Shoesbetown badge on it and say, yep, yeah, we're good to go for the season is. It's embarrassing for me. And I, and I get all the reasons why it's been set. So just tell out. Let's go, the yeah, Let's go through the
1: reasons then. Let's go through so so, the background. Um, so, go on. So, um, yeah, the manager and the club wanted to have a change of kit. So, we've gone to Umbrose, we've got a new manufacturer. But to raise an order for a football kit, you need to do that by December. And we were doing this um, at the back end of last season. So, that has meant that the club couldn't choose and couldn't get bespoke colours and couldn't get a bespoke kit, which has meant that we've got yellow. There's no getting away from it. It's yellow. Um, Now, I have said to Brian, (laughs) and and directly, I said, "You should have gone for blue and white." We obviously we've talked about this before. Shrewsbury Town has a rich history of blue and white kits, blue kits, white kits, and also a rich history of blue and amber. But I totally agree with you, Glenn, that we have made a decision in the last ten years, partly through just through fan opinion and kind of also the colours of the county that we've decided upon blue and amber. It's a bit more unique, isn't it? It is distinctive. Um, Maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, but yeah, it's distinctive. We are blue and amber and that's our brand identity. And in the modern era where you've got online stuff, you've got, you know, football clubs are bigger, they're more organised. Branding for me is really key. Um, Mm. And I totally understand your position. We are Shrewsbury Town and we're blue and amber now. That is where we are. We're not white and blue anymore, but I think for one off season... I much rather have had you know, I was a mascot in the greenhouse kit, which was all white and blue shorts, John McGinn the era. Yep, I would have been really happy with a one off off the peg shooter town kit and I can totally get that. And I'd probably even buy it as well. Definitely buy it because it's a I you know, it's a bit of history for me. And you know, we've got people like Chris Hudson and other fans who are a bit older than us who love back colours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you Glenn, Glenn, are really, really strong in Amber, and I totally get that. And you know, I don't mind this kit when I see it. But the distinction for me is it's not a shooter tan kit.
0: And it is an off the peg kit, which is just awful. And, and you know, the, uh, going, going back to what you just said about that blue idea, right? Even me as the blue and amber fanzine guy, you know, and that is my identity with a football club. Although we played in white during the period I grew up, obviously the WSJ years in the 90s, we had a blue and white kit. That's fine. Even I would 100% agree with you, Wally, that. This is our 150th, 135th year in the football league. I think it is this year or something like that. It's a one hundred and thirty fifth year of something. I think it is the football league stuff. Um, or it might, I can't even remember now. But anyway, there was a no. some founding the club. Founding the club. That's it. What we're talking about. So we did the one two five, didn't we? We had a blue kit, blue and white kit for the one hundred twenty fifth anniversary of the club, didn't we? Back it, uh, ten years ago. Yeah. So there was an argument to do that again now and have a blue and white kit, and that would have been better because blue, white, and amber are the three colours of this football club. Yellow is a kit colour we've had sometimes when it was the 90s where clearly you know these sorts of things were probably a little bit difficult to sort out. And we've had a few kits, like the Wemales, or I think there was another one, wasn't there, during the 90s. The Scrambled Egg was a little bit more yellow than, than amber. Fine, but it, it, in this day and age, we should be better than that. And I think this is just one of those cases where I said, yes, it's all well a good Steve Cottrell having all the power. And if, if it's led to believe that this is his, at his door, and, he, and Brian has been indicating that during his interviews, that the manager wanted to change... I would say to Brian that it is his job to say no sometimes and say, look, we've got one year left of this deal. We'll have a kit that people want to buy, blue and amber. Everyone's desperate to get back to football and buy our merchandise. It would be great if we didn't have to put out a shit Umbro kit at the start of the deal because everyone was really excited about it and suddenly sort of the carpet's been pulled under that deal when we're presented with such crap, crap kit that we got. And it goes beyond the kit for me, Ollie. You know, We'll have a, a, an off-the-peg home kit. We're going to have an off-the-peg away kit, which will probably just be very simple and not brilliant. And at the moment, all the training kit we've got is just standard stuff. And a lot of the stuff that the guys are wearing at the moment, for people that don't know, if you go onto the Umbro website, football Umbro website, a lot of the stuff we're wearing is stuff that they are trying to get rid of off their website in sales for like eight quid. All the tops the managers are wearing. So, you know, again, there's obviously been a delay or an issue with training kit. Whether that'll be bespoke down the line, I don't know. But the whole deal seems very rushed to me, um, particularly when you had a year left on a deal with another company. So... Yeah, I can understand why the manager wants what he wants and, you know, he he's going to get it at the moment with everything that's gone on, but feels to me like a little bit like you should have said to the manager, this is going to lose us money because I can't imagine that that kit is going to sell anywhere near as many as a blue and amber striped kit or even a historic heritage blue and white kit for the one hundred and fifty thirty fifth 35th anniversary. I
1: definitely would have brought that. Yeah, I would, I would have probably. 100% brought a blue and yeah. white kit because I love the blue and white kit. And to be honest, so listen, you know, wearing an amber kit is a bit bright sometimes. <laughs> There's a lot of amber on it. <laughs> so for me, you know, as, as you know, walking around London or something on an away day, you do stand out quite a bit, um, which is good and bad. Um, but yeah, totally agree with you, Glenn. I think also for me, like, you know, I think, you know, how do I put this? Let's be blunt. The CEO and the manager picking kits and stuff for me seems a little bit, doesn't seem that wise. For me, there should be maybe a little bit of fan involvement. Mm. Uh, maybe I don't know, talk to the media team or talk to the club shop or you know, talk to the SLO guys or you know, you know Brian can message me whenever he wants. He's got my my number. You know, get a couple of fans. He doesn't have to mean you. It can be busy. It can be you know. You can find you know. You could just put a little you know little article out or something. You know, what yep. color kit do you want? Or do a vote. You know what I mean? There's so many ways. You could do a vote for a kit in forty-eight hours and get hundreds and hundreds of responses um so for me there's absolutely no reason why they couldn't have done that now I understand they've made a decision it's gone they've obviously done it in good faith so we're not not going to criticize them too much but yeah it is a real shame because like or not glenn you're going to see this kit at least 40 50 times i'm well, not probably not many with away kits but you know what i mean you'll see at least 30 times this season
0: and and you know just to be specific about the kit um the back of it's awful. Like it, it, it's all yellow. There's no stripes on the back, so it makes it look even worse. In my in my opinion, it's very clear that it is a yellow kit. I mean a lot of people won't have seen it up front yet. Like the club have been using filters they're going to put on their photos this season. There's no malicious intent from that. We we had a chat with Matt Burgess about this. They've just decided to go with this sort of grainy approach to all the photographs. It looks quite good actually to be fair, but it does make, it does make the kit look slightly more amber than it actually is. And when you say you
1: sweat as well makes sweat. it look a bit darker
0: Yeah, it does. When <laughs> at the start of the match it's it's Mansfield's colors. You know what I mean? It's it's very simply not not the best. So the whole thing to me is a bit is a bit rubbish and um it's a shame because I suspect by Chris time umbro are going to be putting out a couple of really nice retro shirts for us you know from from retro retro versions of what they had when we had them back in the 80s and i think that'll be fantastic and i will definitely buy those if they're of a good standard and you know very good replications of what we had before i've got the scrambled egg shirt i got the i think i got one from toffs Tofts years ago you know the, the blue and amber striped shirt from spinal tap so if we're getting an actual umbro one with the branding on it that'll be brilliant i'll definitely buy that but it's a shame to start such a, a positive deal with umbro in, in such a Such a shocking way, really. And I'm certain it will lose the football club money. And to me, that was the thing to say to Cottrell look, you know, if you want your funds for next year, you know, you want another. And I'm sure it doesn't make a huge amount of money, but for a, for a football club that's just gone through COVID, you know, if we lose five grand on that, that's five grand. That's fairly well. It's, it's you know. probably yeah. more than that, isn't it? Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. You're selling, you selling? Obviously, obviously, you got to talk about profit, not just sales. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, 20, twenty thirty k is quite a lot of money for a club of our size. Uh, you know, it can mean getting some new equipment, or it could yep. mean you know paying staying in a hotel for a few few extra nights at the end of the season. Um, every penny counts.
0: Certainly does. So it's a shame. It's a shame, and as I say I would have been interested in buying the, the training kit and stuff, but I'm not buying you know shoes, town branded sale Umbro stuff. So there's absolutely no chance I'm buying any of that either. And 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 this isn't just me ranting, is it? This is a reflection of the general reaction to the football kit. You're always going to have some people who you know they pay for us you know in a brown kit or a pink kit. You know they issues town. I'll buy that kit, but for me, I, I'm a bit more selective about the money I'm putting into the football club. Um, considering they have all, all of the money off us during the rest of the season. So um, yeah, I think it's it's fair, fairest, fair for you to judge how. Well, you like a kit before you buy it. I don't think it's a, it's an essential purchase just because you're a Shrewsbury Town fan personally. But that's my view, and that's a view of a few people, I suppose. But I'm sure we'll see people in them um, as the season goes on. But yeah, it, it doesn't look great. Yeah,
1: it'll it'd so. be interesting to get other people's opinion on it when they've seen it live as well after a couple of games. Um, it'd be interesting. I obviously like most things. People will stop talking about things eventually. Even oh, yeah. even you, Glyn, well, I think we'll get bored about talking about the kit. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to go on for a few more weeks. But um, as more and more people see it, that's for sure.
0: I think it will get brought back up when we release probably a really crap-looking away kit at some point in the next few weeks as well. Well, I
1: wanted a blackout (laughs) kit that Hull did. I think that looks really cool. Um, A striped blackout kit I think was pretty nice. We're not going to get that. Hopefully, we won't have a a yellow away kit. That would be be so Shrewsbury. So last year, (laughs) um, we had an away kit, which was purple, which is very close to blue. Um, And yeah, hopefully, we won't have a yellow away kit. Um, hopefully we'll have no. a, a kit that's completely different um, so we can have that and maybe we'll have a nice away kit maybe we we'll have a nice blue and, away, um, blue and white away kit it's pretty easy to guess which kit we'll get to be honest with you because if you go to the Umbro website there's all
0: the off the peg kits and to me there are two on there there's a very standard boring uh, AC Milan colour which is obviously we've had before and there's a very standard, boring Argentina blue and white stripes. I will bet you good money. I know nothing about this because no one tells me anything. But um, I'll bet you pretty good money it's one of those kits that we get as our away kit.
1: AC Milan kit would be nice. I do like that one. It would be, it's but a, it isn't bespoke. It is, what it's
0: it is. pretty boring. It looks like the sort of kit a Sunday league team would play. But, but,
1: but <laughs> I don't think it really matters. So does it? If you have an AC Milan colours, they're AC Milan colours. And mm. we've had them before. So it that doesn't really react. matter if it's bespoke or not. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I liked it. That's the Andy Cook. Always Andy Cook always reminds me of that black and white kit. Yeah. Uh, that seasons, but um, there we go. I, I guess we can leave it where we're about to, to go into the next thing. Really, Ollie, we'll, we'll, we'll quickly talk about what next probably coming up. But obviously, we are back to stadium soon. Probably not worth talking about that too much, Ollie. Getting back into watching a football league game at Shrewsbury Town is exciting, and I can't wait for that. But yeah, we're going to have a couple of you know we've been away for quite a while now, but we've got a lot of, a lot of ground to cover in the next few weeks, haven't we? So we've got two pods coming up in the next few weeks. Um, first is going to be our pre-season review, like we did last season um, with, a, with a few uh, round roundtables. Um, we did some absolutely terrible predictions, Ollie, which I will review, and I will bring back a scorecard for everybody um, to see how, <laughs> see how well everybody did last season. But um, yeah, we're going to do a, a pre-season review next weekend, aren't we? And then this week, um, one of the things we've been trying to sort out with the football club, is to go and talk to um, the, the three media uh, guys that work up at the football club now because they're becoming a much more of an important part of the football club um, in terms of you know stuff like we just talked about, branding, um, how it presents itself across social media channels, programme coming back. Um, there were so many little different questions we've had about that. And so the football club have been great to allow us to do an interview with um, with Matt Lewis and Scott next week. So I'll put that out at some point in the next few weeks. But um, essentially, the, the simple thing to say, Ollie, is we're back. <laughs>
1: yeah we're back um, yeah we're obviously back at the stadium which also be nice as well um, but yeah looking forward to the pre-season review we'll we'll do exactly the same agenda as last time worked really well mm. um, and yeah looking forward to that one and then yeah as as we said at the start I um, kind of I kind of missed kind of miscalculated how the season starts so yeah it'll be like <laughs> nothing 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 at the moment now so few we not we haven't even got we haven't even got many pre-season games as we've discussed in length um, and then all of a sudden Boom, we come back and we go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday uh, and we're back again and we'll be back in that, that, that mode of um, loads and loads of games again.
0: I mean, we haven't talked about this, but it's probably worth talking about it on the pod so people kind of know where we're at. But what are your thoughts and feelings about home and away games and what you're going to be getting to this season? Because obviously, we've had a year and a half of streams and we've watched every single Shrewsbury Town game for God knows how long now. You know, we haven't missed any of them, have we? Um, but obviously, we're now going to be back to long trips on the road and stuff. Are you so keen that you're going to be wanting to go to Exeter? Well, not Exeter, but I don't know, Plymouth, Portsmouth? You know, are we going to be going up to Sunderland? Or are you going to go back to the kind of. Pick and choose uh, approach. I appreciate you've got a wife that's pregnant, so it's probably a little bit different to what it was two years ago, Ollie. But where where are you at really with that?
1: Yeah, so I think obviously home games, obviously definitely go to all those. Um, away games like I don't know Morecambe away on the 14th or a like Tuesday night away at Portsmouth no way I'm going to that I'll be watching <laughs> that obviously I imagine that the Tuesday night games will be on iFollow like they yeah. used to be Saturdays won't be but if you know how to download an app or or kind of download some kind of program you can still watch Saturday games as well mm-hmm. um, so I might do a bit of that as well to be honest um, yeah so I think I will probably will go to quite a few away games uh, before um, the birth of my child's Which is very exciting. Um, Mm. Yeah, I I think I'll be going to quite a few, Glenn, and then I think when November comes, we'll have to see how it goes, and maybe my wife will ban me from the podcast. Uh, You (laughs) might need—I might need a substitute.
0: Oh, uh, it's fine. I mean, yeah, I've been through all that. It's not not the easiest, but we're flexible, Ollie. We don't have to record it exactly. <laughs> every night, are we? So um, I'm sure we'll get around it because people people miss you, Ollie. But um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of a bit bit like that. But I'm 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 going to go to more away games than I probably did before COVID. Yeah. Your I'm kids are a bit so older much, now as well, yeah, aren't they? Exactly.
1: Your kids are a bit older. That they, they they you know they they they're, they're good for car journeys. They're they're up for it, and I yeah. get the sense that they really enjoy it as well. And, and to be very, not I've never said this to you before, so I'm going to do it on a podcast. <coughs> I think you're always a good dad in terms. Are taking your kids to the games and you're not only taking to the games you always take them to i don't know bowling or to some kind of play <laughs> center or swimming as well so yeah you're a good role model in that sense
0: oh thanks mate it's good there you go um, I, I, yeah, I like being a dad it's good fun to be fair the other, the other problem with kids is they get to the age that mine are getting to now where they want to do other stuff Ollie so I'm I'm kind of coming yeah. out the other side of it so my daughter's started to play for um, Mearsiders junior football team um, in Shrewsbury so oh, that's cool. that means Saturday morning football which makes away games a little bit more difficult or she might just get left behind and I'll take my son but um, we'll have to see how it goes but they both got their season tickets they'll be at home games and it's good actually because we've enjoyed doing sport my son came to the Grand Prix um, my, my, we went to the Euros we watched a game there and I've just booked us tickets to um, see one of the games in the cricket at the 100 um, at Edgbaston next Wednesday Boo. which again it'll be, good, it'll be yeah, it's just a bit of fun it's good for kids but I think for kids like I'm, I thought of taking my kids to a whole day's test match and getting them in, in, into cricket straight away that way would probably be quite difficult but I think for it's
1: 2020 and it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not yes. turned into a cricket podcast but there's no, no, 2020 just for that
0: uh, there yeah. is 2020 for that but I, I quite like the idea of it and it's it's something to do with an evening Ollie in the summer so there we go but uh, that's gone a bit yeah let's not turn this into a cricket podcast because my knowledge of cricket is almost zero so um, there we go but yes we'll be back um, two times next week so yeah hopefully everyone enjoys this catch up with the summer I hope everyone had a good summer um, and everyone's fit and fighting for the season and uh, yeah we'll see you down the meadow soon
1: Yep. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, we we clocked over one hundred fifty thousand listens oh, yeah. um, during the summer, which is absolutely crazy thing. One hundred fifty thousand times someone has clicked. Yes, I want to listen to that podcast, <laughs> which is quite humbling to be honest. So, really appreciate all your contribution, your listens, any questions and stuff. Please feel free to fire them through. And yeah, obviously, Glyn will. Um, Keep getting guests on as well. Obviously, we found a few other different tools and stuff, so getting guests on is easier. And yeah, these days as well. So, yeah, we'll definitely get some guests on as we get into the new season. Yep, we definitely will. All right, good
0: stuff. Catch you in the week, guys.